You are listening to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast. We are your otherworldly hosts, Kitty Fields and Alora Rain. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to be notified of future weekly episodes. Also, head over to our Patreon for exclusive content and bonus episodes. We would like to give a big shout out to our newest patron, Chantel. Thank you so much for the support. Whoop, whoop. Whoop. And now on to the show. Are you witch pop cultured? Well, today we plan on educating you. Welcome to a special autumn episode we like to call Witch E News, Witch E News, <laughs> <laughs> in which Alora and I dish on the gossip in the magical community and highlight current newsworthy witchy entertainment, including shows, books, and music. Hey, hey. Hi. What's the news today? <laughs> I'll stop rhyming. I guess we're going to like dish all the, the we're going to spill the tea first, right? Yes. Absolutely. So what is the witchy 411? What's, what's <laughs> all the rage these days, kids? <laughs> so I think that, I think the first point is yours because I have no idea what that is okay. <laughs> that I'm looking at. Yeah. So FYI, I don't have a TikTok account, but that's besides the point. I did actually look up what was trending on TikTok so for this episode. So y'all are oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, in the witch talk community, this was going around for a little bit. It's called the O method. Yeah. Please explain this to me. So, it's it all right. Apparently, there's this woman that claims that if you speak an individual's name while you are orgasming, mm -hmm. you will be in their dreams later that night. I'm assuming uh, I'm assuming she means when you're pleasuring yourself, because in the video, she kind of makes this gesture that implies this. And there's like a ton of people in the comments claiming this works like, oh, yeah, girl, I tried that. I did this. And he was thinking about me and all this. And so to me, this is just like low key sex magic. You're just using your orgasm as a means of making whatever your intention is manifest. So if you want to be in someone's dreams later that night, I guess you could use this method and see if it works. Well, yeah, I mean, it's so sex magic starts with the self right right so it's, i i mean i don't think this is new though no no it's not but but you know how it is like on witch talk like or just in social media people go oh you know like oh my god this is amazing everyone should do this you know yeah and it, like, you know, it went funny. viral for some reason I, I... okay everybody out there don't hate me for saying this but i heard this and i just i i laughed because i was like this is so like, basically, they're saying that, you know, the newer generations coming up, they've nicknamed the Columbus generations <laughs> because they think they're discovering things. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. That's hilarious. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Which oh, is funny. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like for example, I saw this video of this girl and she's like, look, I invented a straw with a whisk on the bottom so that you can stir your drink. And then it cuts <laughs> to like a gin Xer. He's like, oh God. And he takes his straw and stirs his drink and he's like, look, it's mixed. <laughs> so I was yeah, but like so yes, I, I just feel like this is one of those things that like is an amazing discovery, but it's not. It's not you know new. what I mean? Like right. it's new. O for ode method, okay, as an old. Old method? <laughs> huh? What? Oh, as in, okay. So if you have a certain accent from a certain area, you might say ode for old. Mm. It's never mind. So I just said it's the ode method. It is a bad joke. Okay, we're moving on. Let's talk about pumpkin spice latte syrup. Is that where we're going? Yes. We're going to be basic. Um, No, it's just like, all over TikTok right now, mm-hmm. there are witches and non-witches making pumpkin spice latte syrup. Syrup, okay. And, putting, and like, of course, you've got the practical magic musical background as they're doing this. And then they're putting it in like old bottles. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like vintage or whatever looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But apparently my For You page is full of them. So what's, what's in the, I'm going to have to look this up. What's actually in it to make it the syrupy part. So it's sugar, like simple syrup or something. Yeah. Um, syrup or I don't know. It's sugar, brown sugar, mm-hmm. vanilla, uh, cinnamon. Right. Not spice stuff. Yeah. Clove. Yeah. It's basically, yeah, it's basically all the pumpkin spice stuff. And of course, pumpkin. Dude, I might have to make this myself. And then you strain, like you make it with the pumpkin, but then when you pour it, when you transfer it into your container, mm-hmm. you strain out the pumpkin. So you just get the syrup. Oh, yep. That's happening. That's going down at the field. I'll, just, I'll send you, I'll send you one. All right. Awesome. On the topic of pumpkin spice, I just don't get the whole, like the haterade that people drink against pumpkin spice. Every time the season rolls around, I'm like one of the first to be in line to get a pumpkin spice latte. And then you have like people that are just like hating on it, like online people. Oh, pumpkin spice. Oh, like you're so basic. Like, like I said, the basic thing. I mean, it doesn't offend me because I don't care either way. I'll still like it, whether it's basic or not. (laughs) But pumpkin spice, all those spices that make up pumpkin spice repel evil man and and like wars were fought over them like back in the day oh yeah you know but they're also all herbs to um repel negative energy and and evil so if you don't like pumpkin spice oh. just... mm. take a good hard look in the mirror <laughs> <laughs> these are the people oh. who who burn uh herb bundles and repel themselves right Okay. Right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Talk about this next one because I don't know what's going on here. What? Are you serious? You haven't heard of this? Nope. Oh my gosh. Okay. So how often do you think about the Roman Empire? So this is a question that 
somebody posted on Twitter, I believe, that was basically like, ask your partner Mm -hmm. how often they think about the Roman Empire. And they for this particular question, they specifically had men in mind. Mm -hmm, Right. I would assume. So everybody's been asking their partner this question and all of them respond with like once a week, at least three times a day. You know what I mean? Like, really? They've got. Yes. And I did this to my husband at rant, like completely random. Right. I was making dinner. He come out of the shower. He went into the garage to get something to drink. And I turned and looked at him and I went, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And without missing a beat, he said at least once a week. And I was like, what? No way. Uh, listen, yes, I love I'm my serious. husband, but I'm going to tell you right now, he it is not even once a week. I am telling you, you need to ask him. All right. I'm going to ask him. Because and then like some some of the videos, which are hilarious, <laughs> the guys are like, funny. the guys are like, what do you mean? I don't ever stop thinking about the Roman empire. I mean, can you really? And the girl's like, what the? And she's like, what specifically about the Roman empire do you think about? And this he's, is blowing my mind. And he's like, well, I have Marcus Aurelius's book. back there. <laughs> what in the world? I have never heard of this. Okay. So because of this particular thing that's come about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Opposite of that. Or what's being asked now is what is the female version of the Roman Empire? So are we asked the guy that or no? No, 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 no. This is this is just a collective question that's going around. Like what is that's really hard to answer, I feel like. I would have to think about it. I I think it's I think it's easy. Really? (laughs) Just the direct opposite of what the Roman Empire actually was? No, no. Okay. Well, well, can, can you break it down for me? Cause I'm okay. So I'm it's not, this. It, yes, you are overthinking this. It, it's not about the Roman empire specifically. It's about like, what is the topic or subject that is in the feminine collective conscious? Like the Roman empire is for masculine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The answer is true crime. I'm oh. you. Or books. Those are the two answers that I'm going to go with. Mm, okay. Okay. But, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I, I listen, my brain is just, there's a lot going through it right now. I can't even make sense of everything that's up there. So we should just move on. <laughs> okay. Um, this other, this last one I want to point, point out, mm-hmm. um, this was actually something that came up, um, our good friend, Jasmine Ambrosia, right. Whoop, shout out. um, she actually brought this up, um, in a post, uh, regarding her new book, which we'll talk about in a bit. Yes. But <clears throat> this UPG, SPG and VPG are newer buzzwords. I don't know. In the yeah. witchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been interesting thinking about them. Yeah, um, me too. So UP, UPG is unverified personal gnosis, mm-hmm. right? So that'd be like your personal belief magical- system, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. SPG is shared personal gnosis, excuse me. So that's basically like if you and I had the same magical experience. Right. 
right? Mm -hmm. And then EPG is verified personal gnosis. So this is where you have like a magical or spiritual experience that is. Huh? Go ahead. I'm I'm just, I'm backing you up. Keep going. Uh, (laughs) Um, that can be backed up yeah by historical sources right right yeah Uh, this whole thing got me thinking about what i put out on the website mm. and i feel for the most part i'm using sources that i either have in my possession or that i've learned before and right that is making up the meat of what I put on Otherworldly Oracle. However, there are some times when I do add my own experience or my beliefs into the articles, but I will usually say something like, in my experience or just my opinion or something like that. So I feel like that does kind of delineate a little bit. Oh, yeah. But then you get into like, then you get into questions of, when does unverified personal gnosis become shared personal gnosis? Yeah. When, like, what are the dangers in sharing your unverified personal gnosis? Right. What are the benefits? Uh, So there's like a lot to that. Yeah. There's like a lot to unpack there. In fact, we could do a whole episode just on that. Yeah, we probably could. But it's not going to be this one, people. Yeah, not this one. Too deep, too deep. We got We got to go a little more. Uh, this is supposed to be entertaining. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, entertainment. Anyway, okay. So, TV series. Okay, so let's get into some of the entertainment. Yes. Um, I wasn't saying that you were boring, by the way. I was just saying that we could drone on about that, and people would be like, "I thought this was about like witchy entertainment." Yes, I just brought up the UPG, SPG, VPG because on TikTok right now, it's the buzzwords. No, it's it's great. You should listen. I sound like a jerk. I'm not trying to. Okay. It's a good topic is my point. I swear we're friends, people. We are. <laughs> we are. I, that made, okay, that really did make me sound like a jerk. I wasn't trying to say that any of that is boring. I was just saying we could, you and I could drone on about it together and be really into it. And the audience might be like, I want to hear about the Mayfair witches TV series, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I know false advertisement. Okay. Okay. So, so tell us about Mayfair witches. Did you watch it? No, I have not. Okay. Oh, I don't want to poo poo on the, on like the parade here, but because I was such a huge Anne Rice fan and the, the Mayfair Witch, the trilogy mm-hmm. was, I don't know, just like really influential for me, like as a writer and just, I lo- I devoured those books. I've read them a few times all the way through and I had really, I think my problem was I built up my expectations so high for this series that when I actually watched it, I was like, nope. And I gave it a couple episodes because I thought, well, let me just, you know, I'll, I'll get I'll just try to get into it, right? Let me try to go past my my standards here. But I think my problem was that the actor for um, Lasher just wasn't it. He wasn't up to par, like for me. I just it wasn't what I was picturing. Do you know what I mean? In in your mind, when you read a book, oh yeah, and you have those characters <laughs> pictured in your mind. They're so solidified in there, and then someone puts it on the TV, and you're like, nope. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I think that's the problem with book to screen adaptation, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're a book lover, right? Yeah. Because 9.5 times out of 10, the book is better. Yeah. So, so the way home, this is a new one that just came out on binge, which is a streaming service we have here in Australia in the States. It's on Amazon prime and Apple TV oh. is a Hallmark produced series. So I was like skeptical. Cause I'm like Hallmark. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, it's actually really good. It is about three generations of women. So a grandma, a daughter and a granddaughter on a farm in New Brunswick, Canada. The daughter returns home from the U.S. after a divorce to get a fresh start. But the series opens in the 1800s with like this woman who is just in a white shift and -hmm. she's got a torch and she's being chased through the woods by people with torches and they're shouting witch and she dives into a pond on this particular farm and she disappears like she doesn't come back up out of the water she just disappears nice so this series is basically gilmore girls meets outlander Mm -hmm. because you get a lot of the 90s nostalgia because the mom is from the 90s um, and the daughter does a lot of traveling between present day, the 90s and, and back and forth. And, and there's a lot of complex stuff that happens, but it stars. Uh, did you ever watch Grey's Anatomy? No. OK, Sorry. well, for those out there who did watch Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> uh, Lexi is the mother in this show. And then the grandmother is uh oh what is her name andy mcdowell okay yeah so it's really good it's brand new i have almost binged the entire first season and i can't wait to see where it goes nice i'll have to check that out yeah and it's not as cheesy as i thought it would be being hallmark right right you say hallmark and i'm like ooh. yeah i know i'm like oh god what is this gonna be but (laughs) it was actually it's actually really good Awesome. Hadn't even and heard. The, and the other series that I have to talk about is one that Avalon introduced me to. Actually, it's called Motherland Fort Salem. I have, have heard, heard of this one? one. Yes. So now you can stream it on Amazon Prime or Apple TV in Australia. So basically, if you can imagine that the entire military of the U.S. is composed of women who have witch DNA at 18 witches with blood heritage are drafted into the U S army service. The magic system in this show is incredible. uh, And it includes not only powers for the witches, but also for indigenous nations as like a separate magical system. Oh, that's cool. Oh yeah. And all magic in this series is tied to vocal cords oh interesting that's a cool take yeah so it's like they've combined the mythology of sirens with Mm -hmm. witches i was gonna say like a siren type thing okay 
but it's really it's very interesting and very complex because it's based on sound and vibration so different notes that you can make with your throat Mm -hmm. or voice conjure up different things and when you put them like in a sequence it 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 causes storms and it does this and it you know what i mean yeah i love that that's that's a great concept that's a great yeah like the system of magic is very that's different yeah it is very different uh this show is also very sex positive and lgbtqi plus positive and uh this is definitely not a show for kids uh, the Beltane episode is traditional pagan Beltane done right. If you know, you know. <laughs> Seriously, when I was watching, I was like, "Oh, damn!" Whoa, <laughs> I like, nice. I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna go watch this by myself." Lots of lost loincloths, I guess. Or no, or not clothes. at all. <laughs> okay, but um, yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. I highly recommend it, and. I had never heard of it because I don't know. It was on Disney actually when I saw it. And I was like, this is not a kid show. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. On Disney. Hmm, right. Mm. Next, we're going to dive into books. We're going to start with nonfiction and I'm sorry, but this is going to be a shameless self plug here because I realized I've never even talked about my books on this podcast, which is kind of funny. Yeah, why haven't so, you? I don't know. I just don't want to be that person, I guess, but I guess I'm being that person right now. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> my newest nonfiction is called The Otherworldly Oracle Compendium of Pagan Gods. This was actually an idea of Alora's for me to do, but it is a I'm compilation so of all of, huh? I said, I know I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> It's a compilation of all the pagan gods and goddesses that are found on the website, mm. basically in one organized physical tome. Yes, because I was all like, you have 5,000 articles. <laughs> Not why, that many. Why don't yeah. you compile yeah. them into books? I'm still working on it. There's going to be quite a few that come out with different categories, but this this one particularly dives deep into the individual deities. Mm. So it's kind of like, um, I guess, an encyclopedia in a way. Like a reference book. Yeah, of pagan gods and how to work with them. And at the beginning, you'll find like the basics, how to start communicating, setting up altars, prayer offerings, all that kind of stuff. You can message me, Kitty, directly for a signed copy or you can find it on Amazon and paperback and also ebook. How many deities are in this? Do you know? I don't know the total, but there's 333 pages, if that helps. (laughs) Exactly 333. Yeah. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I didn't do that on purpose. It just turned out like that. And so it's easy to remember, right? So that's at least 25 Oh, minimum. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably yeah, more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they, they range different pantheons too. Just Celtic, Norse, Egyptian, I think yes. Mesopotamian, Greek, all that. Very cool. Yeah. Enough about me. Enough about me. We'll go on to the next one, right? Sure. The other nonfiction book we're going to talk about is Ambrosia's Book of Witch Flight by our awesome friend, Jasmine. She's been on here before. She's been on Mimir's Well. 
before. This is a work of unverified personal gnosis. So she's done something really brave here. And I really commend her for this because she has published a book that is based on her entire magical experience. Mm -hmm. You do not see this in witchcraft literature. Correct. There, yeah, but I'm sorry. I, I think it, it's also, yes, it is definitely UPG, but I mean, there are some parts to it that she's even sharing some of her like tradition, like her coven's tradition. Yes. And she even goes, the, the, the book is about witch flight or mm-hmm. astral travel. Right. And so she goes into recipe and I know there's some recipes in there. She shares, like you said, coven um, stuff. There's also an entire spirit codex in the book Mm -hmm. where Jasmine shares her personal experiences and knowledge of crossing the veil and working with otherworldly spirits, Mm -hmm. uh, creatures, familiars, familiars, Mm -hmm. et cetera, which One of the interesting things that I've seen just across social media from the publishing of Jasmine's book is how many people have ha- have gotten the book, have looked at the spirit codex and have experienced the same spirits on the other side of the veil. I've actually submitted three different experiences um, with those spirits to her for the next one that she's going to be publishing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very cool. And this is when I was talking earlier about UPG, SPG, VPG. Mm-hmm. This is where that actually the discussion came up because yeah. essentially how many people have to have similar experiences with the same entity for it to no longer be just a UPG. It's a shared personal gnosis you know what i mean exactly yeah and it's not just the familiar spirits there it's also like the the landscape of the astral plane or you know where a lot of witches are going in their journeys they're kind of experiencing the same places which is pretty amazing Mm, yes i literally read this book in like two hours i just like ate it up It, it was so good just very engaging Yes. Well, I'm excited to read it. I have not read it yet. Well, you're gonna. I know. (laughs) I'm excited. Now we're going to talk about fictional witchy books that are coming out or have just come out. Yes. Or came out a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Because we were supposed to release this episode a while back, but Due to a series of random, unfortunate events. Unfortunate (laughs) side effects. Yeah. We had to record it in two parts. Yeah. That's perfectly Uh, fine. So the first book on our list is The Unfortunate Side Effects of Heartbreak and Magic by Brianne Randall. This came out September 19th. Yep. Uh, And this has been marketed heavily as a book for fans of Practical Magic and Gilmore Girls. So mm-hmm. it's supposed to be a mashing, mashup, mashup of the two. Right. Yeah, I've seen that. I, I followed her Instagram and yeah, it's definitely, that's the big push, I guess. Yeah. So the blurb is uh, Sadie 
Revelaire has always believed that the curse of four heartbreaks that accompanies her magic would be worth the price. But when her grandmother is diagnosed with cancer with only weeks to live and her first heartbreak, Jake McNeely returns to town after a decade, he carefully her carefully structured life begins to unravel. With the news of their grandmother's impending death, Sadie's estranged twin brother, Seth, returns to town, bringing with him deeply buried family secrets that threaten to tear Sadie's world apart. Their grandmother has been the backbone of the family for generations, and with her death, Sadie isn't sure she'll have the strength to keep the family and her magic together. Um, so what have you heard about this book? I... So first of all, I'm just going to be honest. I know everyone's going to be like, what? But I've never been a big Gilmore Girls person. Sorry. I know it's a great, it was a great show. Everybody, a lot of people love it, but it's just not for me. Uh, my 90s self love loves it. Yeah. It's very nostalgic and it's of one course. of those, like. Of course. When you're, yes. like, like when you're all in your feels and you're depressed and you just want to lay in bed and eat cookies and be sad and you know what I mean like yes. that's the kind of show you put on absolutely and I'm not hating on anybody for liking the Gilmore Girls it's just for me I, it, that didn't grab me like I probably would you know some people that like Gilmore Girls right um but I've heard a lot of mixed things about this book like I've seen I read through the Goodreads reviews like before I read a book now just so that I can understand what I'm getting myself into um, to a degree, you know, it's also personal opinion, but, um, you know, there's a lot of people that say they loved it, but then there was some people that were like, you know, uh, there's some elements to it that felt, <clears throat> I don't want to say religious, but didn't really vibe with, with what was being promoted. Right. So I'm a little like interested to see how that turns out, but I am going to read it. I do want to read it because it's a witchy book. So I have to. <laughs> Yeah, and interestingly enough, uh, Reese Witherspoon, you know, she has a book club. Yeah. Fun. She already picked this book up and Netflix is already in the process of making it into a show. That's crazy to me. I mean, good for her. Like, she also says, the author says in her on her Instagram how, like, she's been trying to get published for 10 years. And so I think it's an amazing story. You know, it's like, well, she pushed and pushed and pushed and she kept on until she had success, which is kind of cool, you know? Yeah. And I think that's something that people forget very easily about Yeah, books and authors and even, you know, actors and actresses to a point. Mm-hmm. This is you know, people that get fame or recognition from a particular work that they yeah. do, mm-hmm. you know? That's just one thing that they've done over what a span of 10 or 20 years. Yeah. I so, agree. Yeah. Definitely going to read it. I want to see what it's all about. Yeah, me too. I want to see what it's about, but yeah. I am not afraid to DNF. If I am not like, <laughs> I know what you're saying. I'm definitely a DNFer. <laughs> I like short for bad books, bad boyfriends and. <laughs> exactly. <bullshit>. Exactly. <laughs> Which I don't want to ruin it, but I've I've seen a couple of people say they put that book on the DNF. So I don't know. We'll see. Okay, we'll but see. one of our favorite authors yes. has just come out with a new book, and I've I'm seen so it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks one. really good. Okay, so from the Goodreads blurb, 
this book. Well, what, wait, wait, First title, of all, the book is called Starling House. Yeah. And the cover looks awesome. Does. So the blurb is a contemporary Gothic fairy tale about a small town haunted by the history. It can't quite seem to bury and the canny clever young woman who finds herself drawn to the house that sits at the crossroads of it all. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Starling house is odd and ugly and full of secrets. Just like it's air. Opal knows better than to mess with haunted houses or brooding men, but it might be a chance to get her brother out of Eden. And it feels dangerously like something she's never had a home, but she isn't the only one interested in the house or the horrors and wonders that lie beneath it. If Opal wants a home, she'll have to fight for it. She'll have to dig up her family's dark past and let herself dream of a brighter future. She'll have to go down, down into Underland and claw her way back to the light. <gasps> oh my God, it sounds so good. I know I'm chilled. Is it out yet? When does it? October 3rd, it dropped. Oh, it is out. Nice. Oh, there's so many books coming out. Uh. <laughs> and we didn't say who this is by, but this is by Ooh. Alex Harrow. And she is the same author who wrote Once and Future Witches amazing book mm-hmm. and amazing book yeah so and you know what the the little blurb here um the house that sits at the crossroads mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm in just for that sentence right there <laughs> well yeah and it kind of sets up for our, our next episode too that we're talking about crossroads <laughs> the crossroads i'm stoked very cool you probably want to talk about this one because I know you were like, you really loved this, uh, the first one. I know. So fourth wing, I'm a big fourth wing fan. Look, we could sit here and talk about all the criticism for that book. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that it was written as an introduction to fantasy for people who do not read fantasy. It is not oh. meant to be an you know, a work of epic proportions. Yeah. <laughs> it's not meant to be Tolkien or um, George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, right, right. Uh, yeah, there. But anyways, the second installment uh, in, in this series, Iron Flame, is dropping November 7th and 8th, depending where you live. It is by Rebecca Yaros. Uh and it's called the Empyrean series, E-M-P-Y-R-E-A-N. So the magic system and the dragons in this series are incredible. The dragons actually talk and think, and uh, they're quite hilarious mm-hmm. um, with their banter. And I think, uh, you know, even you said, because I think you read this book as well. I did. The dragons are probably one of the th- the main features that everyone seems to love, even if they didn't love other parts of the book. Correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I wanted more of the dragons and like, honestly, less of the fight scenes, I guess. Right. So not a lot has been released about iron flame as far as synopsis mm-hmm. goes. Right. But what do you know is that iron flame will follow Violet, who was the main character in Fourth Wing, and now she's going into her second year and basically it's getting even more dangerous than the first book. And if you 
you know, for those who haven't read the first book, it's basically an entire book trying to unalive Violet for like 400 pages. Basically, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good way of putting it. So what did you think of it when you read it? I will say that, yeah, honestly, I think overall it's a fun fantasy read. It's definitely not like an epic fantasy, like what you were saying. I could have used a little more world building, but Mm. again, you know, it's more of like an introduction to fantasy, like what you were saying. So that makes sense to me. Um, I love the dragons and I really also liked Violet's character. Mm, Violence. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Violent. Yeah. uh, Violence. Um, But I think for me, I have a problem with commitment and longer books. I get bored or I get more bored with quicker. (laughs) Mm. And when there's certain things that are kind of redundant, like I felt like for me, just the fight scenes were redundant and I would end up like skipping pages of the fight scenes. But overall, I think a lot of people enjoy it for a good reason, you know? Yeah, definitely. There is definitely a reason why this book is number one New York Times bestseller around the world. And it has sold more copies than, uh, I don't want to say than, okay, look, (laughs) it hasn't sold more copies than any other book, but I will say for a brand new release. Yeah. It's been everywhere. Yeah. Been everywhere to the point where publishing houses have run out of copies to be sold. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I got my copy, like somehow I was in the right place at the right time. And one of my little local indie bookstores had like 10 copies that they had pre-ordered. And I was like, oh, I saw the guy like flipping through the page, you know, like looking at like looking it over and he was calling people that had already pre-ordered it. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to read that on my Kindle because I, you know, I couldn't get a copy. He was like, well, hold on. I don't think this person wants it anymore. So it's yours. I was like, yes. (laughs) But otherwise, a lot of people were, it, it was sold out. And I could read the blurb here for you guys but all i'm gonna say on this one is it's everywhere go to goodreads yeah, go to exactly. instagram tiktok whatever you'll see it one word is dragons and then that's yeah, good dragon. yeah. <laughs> the dragons are enough to make me read the second book yeah i hear you every good story has a dragon every the best stories have dragons in them mm, yes all right. So should we move on to the next one? Yes. This I, is another one that dropped October 3rd. Oh, okay. I hadn't even heard of it until you had put it on the list. And I was like, wait, I need to look this up. So it's Night of the Witch by Sarah. Is it Rosh? Raish? Raish, maybe. R-A-A-S-C-H. And Beth yes. Revis or Revis. So this has been on your TBR, yeah, for a while or... Yeah, this one's been on my TBR. Um, it's a debut novel in a witch and hunter series. Oh, okay. The premise of this one is Germanic. Oh, which yay. Is, yeah, exactly. Which I was like, uh, yes, please, because the Germanic witch books are few and far between. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a reimagining of the European witch trials. 
And it's set in medieval Germany. Oh my God. Okay. I have to run and get this after we're done. <laughs> this is marketed as a YA, but it, <laughs> it has tastefully nude drawings inside. Oh, this is, this basically blew up YA Twitter. <laughs> uh, I actually have something to say about publishing and marketing here. So I don't understand why we're, as a society, marking things like this as YA simply yeah. because the characters are of a specific age. Well, I think. How old are the characters in this, do you think? Definitely older than teenage years, then. I don't, I'm not sure, not sure. how old the okay. characters in this are. But I get even what you're if saying, though, yeah. There is a, there also is another genre called uh, NA, which is new adult. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So NA is for the in between of like, um, so a little bit older than YA, but right. not quite like smut romance. <laughs> right. Understood. Yeah. Um. So it's, it's like, you know, late teens to early to mid twenties. It's like your target demographic, right? Yeah. I don't know what the problem is and why people don't just use new adult instead of YA. I okay. know why, because YA is one of the biggest book markets and you can probably get more attention that way, more, probably sell more books. Yeah. And you know, I don't know. I say this to everyone who reads and mm -hmm. has kids who read as well. But as far as YA books go, read the YA book first before handing it to your kid because oh. these mm -hmm. who know, you know, who knows how much, you know, sexual content or violence or or whatever is going to be in it or triggers or or what have you. True. Um, so just just read it first. But the synopsis. So this is what it says. Uh, a witch and a hunter. Vengeance is their mission. Love is their destiny. Fritzi is a witch, a survivor of a brutal attack on her coven. She's determined to find her only surviving family member and bring the Hexenjägers, zealot witch hunters, to justice for the lives they ended. To do this, she will need to take down their leader, Commandant Dieter Kirk. Otto is a Hexenjäger and a captain, the second in command to Dieter Kirk, but that's just his cover. Years ago, the Hexenjägers burned his innocent mother alive, and since then, he has been planning a move against the witch hunters that tore his family apart, and now the time has come for them to pay for what they've done. When Fritzi and Otto are unexpectedly thrown together, neither is sure they can trust the other, despite their common enemy but all they have is one another and they both crave revenge. As truths come to light and trust shifts, Fritzi and Otto uncover a far more horrifying plot at the center of the Hexenjäger attacks, but their own growing feelings for each other may be the most powerful magic of all. Mm. Like, how good does that sound? It sounds fantastic. And it's in sure it's like... Germanic. I'm so excited. Hold on. I got to pull up my Amazon app. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> a really pretty cover too. Very um, 
Black, uh, black and green. Ooh, I like those colors together. Awesome. Mm. All right. So we're going to end this episode by talking briefly about some musical jams mm. that you guys should listen to, I guess. Yeah, just uh, some musical suggestions. Yeah. So first of all, High Long, I've talked about them before. Probably most people know who they are, like if you're in the pagan or witchy community. If not, yes. you, you need to know who they are. They're touring actually in America right now. And I did not get tickets because I actually saw them last year. But if you are able to, you should go see them. They are performing their newest album, which is called Drift. And one of the songs on there, and I'm sorry, but I forget the name. One of the songs on there is actually known. They they took the oldest known song ever written and redid it essentially in their own way. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like it's it, like, they're just, they're so amazing in what they do. Holy so, crap. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do that. So I don't know if you know this about them, Laura. I don't know if most people do, but if you look into how they do their writing, how they write their songs, they take all of their songs from archaeology, um, from history, from, you know, in, mm -hmm. like tomb inscriptions, like saying, or like little inscriptions on coins, like everything that they, that inspires their songs comes from, literally is coming from history, from archaeology. And they don't even know what most of the, the words are saying because a lot of these languages aren't even, you know, the languages are, are so old, we don't know exactly what they say. So it's pretty awesome. Very cool. It's very that inspiring. <laughs> They're amazing. There's no other band ever like them out there, I don't feel. Okay. And then you want to talk about this next person band? Because I don't even know about this. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, a person. It's not a band. So okay. Trevor Hall. If you don't know Trevor Hall, look him up on Spotify. He has an entire discography. He has sung with the likes of Nako, Rising Appalachia. Oh, uh, okay. You, you name it. He's, he's in that wheelhouse. Cool. Uh, he's actually from a small island in South Carolina. Oh, um, awesome. He, yeah. So anyways, he just released a brand new album called Trevor Hall and the Great In-Between. It's actually the, his the first album in which he did everything on the album from producing it to recording it mm -hmm. to setting up everything. Um, I, I believe he plays most of the instruments on the album. It's very interesting and neat and different from what he usually releases. Um, but it's I, I like it. I, I've listened to it and it's 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 really good. I'm going to have to listen to it now for sure. Yeah, it's very, very good. I, I love like that it. kind of that whole vibe of music is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, the whole rising Appalachian Naka Bear. Yeah. Uh, That's OK. But there, there's a whole group of them that kind of are in that same genre that travel mm -hmm. and together. I love it. Yeah. So check it out, y'all. Chit, chit, check it out. <laughs> and just on another note, quickly before we end this episode, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, I'm a fan of country music, always have been since I was little. Yes. But 
country music is going in a direction I have never heard before. And I am freaking loving it because it is all going very Southern Gothic slash bluesy bluegrass. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm dude. I'm loving it too. Because honestly, yeah, I listened to country as a kid because my mom ran rodeo. She was a barrel racer for a long time. And so a lot of the nineties country was like playing oh, all yeah. the time. So, but there's was- a large chunk of country music that I'm honestly not privy to between then and now, <laughs> but all this new stuff, the the darker, like Southern Gothic stuff, what you're talking about is like, I'm dude, I'm loving it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to send you because I have um, saved some bands and some singers from TikTok that I haven't heard of before in country music, but I have saved some of their videos since I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like, Mm -hmm. I hope the whole genre goes in this direction because I agree. Goodbye. Pop country. Hello. Awesome. Dark. Indie like sounding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. A thousand percent. Okay. We can end now. (laughs) Okay. I wish we had like a banjo, like little sound effect there. Okay. We we hope you've enjoyed listening to us dish about the latest and magical entertainment. Thank you so much for joining us and hit that subscribe button. So you don't miss a single weekly episode. If you love our podcasts and you want more, become a part of our BHP family on our Patreon for more exclusive content. And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.